everybody. Welcome back to Clone Dance Party, Season 2, Episode 5, Ipsa Scientia Potesta Est. Um, this week, Sarah gets a partner back. Helena, what does Helena do? Get to eat. Helena, uh, shit. Okay, so I'm going to start just that part over again. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sarah gets her partner back. Helena gets to eat. Rachel makes things hard. Mm-hmm. And Cosima gets some hope. I'm Liz. I'm Janice. I'm Lynette. I'm Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Hello. It's lovely to be here with you ladies. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. I definitely enjoyed this form of gathering as opposed to our last, I would say. Yes. Yes. It is nice to have you in a more cheerful setting. So tell us how you got into Orphan Black. I got into Orphan Black. I had seen ads for Orphan Black on the BBC America um, while watching Doctor Who. It always looked mm-hmm. super cool. I was in love with Cosima just for existing. I didn't know her name then, but I thought, dude, that girl's hot, and I want to know her in real life. And that is still the opinion I have of Cosima. But I'm pretty um, sure that's how everybody feels about her. I think so. I think so. I don't understand anyone who would think anything else. Um, and Bob DeGrand was actually my co-host on the NXT Rundown on Inside the Ropes, which is how I got to know all of you and everything. Um, and so when he mentioned he was starting an Orphan Black podcast, I said, oh, I've been meaning to watch that. So then I watched an episode, and then two days later, I watched the whole entire series, like, all of it. So um, that's pretty much how I got into it. And then, you know, he and I would chat about it. I listened to your show. All that jazz. It's, it's pretty great. I freaking love it. So Awesome. And so uh, you said you do a podcast. Tell I us about do. That. It's true. Uh, I am a member of Inside the Ropes. And Inside the Ropes, just in general, is a weekly wrestling podcast. It's, they say based out of Glasgow, Scotland. Um, Robert and Kenny, the guys who started the show, are in Glasgow. But I'm actually on their VIP service most of the time. Uh, The show I host is called the NXT Rundown. So for anyone who's a wrestling fan, I review and talk about NXT specifically, which is WWE's developmental territory. And it's a lot cooler than it sounds because it's way better than the normal wrestling that's on TV. Uh, So that's what I do every week. I'm also helping them out with other episodes. I was on the main show. I kind of fill in when one of them can't do it. Uh, We have some special stuff that we record. This week is WrestleMania week, so it's been kind of crazy. We're doing seven days, seven podcasts. So we're releasing an episode once a day up through WrestleMania. And then technically the WrestleMania rundown and then the one after that. So I'm going to be doing WrestleMania predictions with Robert and Kenny. I'm going to be doing the after show with Robert and Kenny. So we're just, we're pretty much like all wrestling all the time, but for right now, Orphan Black. If you wanted to check us out, you can go to facebook.com forward slash the Inside Network to look at our Facebook page and kind of see what we're about. Otherwise, our website is insidetheropes.co.uk. Fantastic. All right. So this episode, Sandra, are you a newbie or you've seen it? Oh, I've seen it. Okay. So Lynette, as the only newbie on this episode, what'd you think? I, well, it was just pretty dang good, of course. It was uh, Mm -hmm. pretty upsetting, which is fine, because, you know, it's supposed to be at times. But, yeah, it was was pretty, uh, a lot of information we got, huh? A lot of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So much goes down in this episode. So much goes down in this episode. (laughs) So much happens. (laughs) I liked what she said better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was Thanks great. 
You're welcome. No, I'm sorry. I love you too, Elizabeth, but. I know. It's okay. So, loving me is like loving Elizabeth. It's fine. That's right. Yeah, Sandra and I are twins. That's mm-hmm. right. Awesome. You have a twin too. You have a sister. <laughs> you have a sister. Yay. I have a sister. Yeah, I love having a sister. Do we have a brother sister? Not as far as I know, but I'm sure we could find one. I could, I could, I could probably make one happen. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, Lynette, you told me that you have the meaning behind this crazy episode name that it took us like three minutes to figure out how to pronounce. Right. So, Exoscienza, is that right? Potestas est. It, yes. It, it translates to knowledge itself is power. It's a phrase that is a Latin aphorism, often claimed to mean organized knowledge is power. It is commonly attributed to Sir Francis Bacon, although it was actually first written by his secretary in a 1668 version of the work Leviathan, uh, Thomas Hobbes. So it didn't just come from Schoolhouse Rock? No, it didn't. Uh, And the the whole expression uh, is knowledge itself is power. All right, and this is an episode based around lots of new knowledge. Lots of knowledge. That's pretty good. So I have to admit that I was wrong. Oh, no. (gasps) On last episode, I made, I think, a very good case for Gracie's defiance uh, being at the hands of her mother. But her mother, Bonnie being a smarter and older woman and knowing when to not piss off the patriarchal head of her clan. And this episode, we find out I was wrong. <laughs> that woman is just pure evil. She's she worse is, than he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, a little, uh, she's a little crazy. And um, she was very upset with Gracie for uh, Helena getting away and for everything that happened. And um, if Gracie doesn't help find Helena, Gracie has to carry the babies, which super gross. Uh-huh. And, um, oh, yeah, they sew Gracie's mouth shut. Uh, yeah. And then Mom was kind of a bit cut, pulling the stitches out. Kind a of? Bit. Kind of? Yeah. A lot of. Um, so... Uh, Janice, is there something you wanted to say about this? No, what I was going to say was, I was going to ask you, so tell me again why you think (laughs) Bonnie is kind of rebelling against Henrik. She seems to be really in line with him. Yeah, apparently I I misread the situation. (laughs) Uh, But they did say something about Gracie being stuck in the old ways. So I'm wondering if in Gracie's, like Gracie is young, don't get me wrong, but in her even younger and extra formative years of childhood, uh, toddler and, and such, if they weren't a little bit more like Tomas. I've always hmm. gotten the feeling that they were, because it kind of seems like, I mean, when Tomas came to them too, they seem very old school and clan-like and like a very closed religious community. But it seems like the science has been kind of a new thing for them. It almost seems like they were, if you want to use religious terminology, like born again in terms of believing in science instead of when, you know, people are born again believing in God. They had kind of like this revelation that 
God can use science, and then that's what they've started believing in more. And so it doesn't line up with, you know, God can do everything and we shouldn't mess with it. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking is that maybe at first, when Gracie was younger, everything was Tomasus's way of doing things. Um, and then something happened. And um, I feel like uh, maybe it has something to do with the military. Why, uh, why do you think that? Because Mark was in the military and he was talking to, crap, what's the dad's name again? Henrik. Henrik, yeah, he was talking to him about that, and, like, they've mentioned kind of just things like that, plus having that much scientific equipment in the barn where they do. I mean, that wasn't built to be a science lab or any of these projects, and harvesting eggs and whatever other unspeakable things they're doing to Helena in that room, it doesn't seem like something Heinrich, patriarch of religious clan, would just one day decide, oh, you know what? I think this sounds like a great idea. I mean, Hendrik has mentioned that he, like, went to MIT or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Like, Hen- Hendrik mentioned, like, a scientific background. So I'm wondering if Hendrik is newerish. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like he has, like, because Mark was the one that picked up Helena from the hospital after she got shot. And that- right. And why would he be looking for her? It just seems like... I don't know. Of course, like with Orphan Black, there's always something else going on. Right. Things are never as they seem. Things are never as they seem. And, I mean, he doesn't seem like he's the big bad. Henrik or Mark? Henrik. Well, Mark, no. Obviously not Mark. But he seems like he's being guided by other forces. And he doesn't seem to – I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's Dyad. Maybe it's not military stuff. It just – Right. Hmm. But they do that in this show. You one think one person is the big bad and – you come to find out there's somebody right above them that's even worse. And, like, we found out uh, Bonnie is pretty yicky. <laughs> worse than oh, him, she's I terrible. Think. Bonnie is insane. Yeah. Let her rot. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Heinrich was saying, you know, it's been 12 hours, and Bonnie's the one saying, well, the punishment needs to fit the... Which, you know, it is yeah. an older form of barbaric punishment if you're not going to speak or tell the truth. If you're going to lie, then you're going to have your mouth sewn shut because you don't deserve to be able to open your mouth or be human and and she was just so mean when she was pulling the stitches out mm-hmm. horrible the comparison of heinrich and bonnie was really interesting because heinrich was the one saying it's been 12 hours he was being a lot more nurturing and then when he was cutting the stitches too he was being very careful and very ginger and then when yeah like you said when she pulled them out it was just like yank yeah yeah she uh yeah i none of this is okay no but I'm wondering if Henrik isn't new to the group. Like, I always thought, like, the group was based oh. around Henrik. Like, I'm wondering if the Prolethians had always been there and Henrik is the one who brought science into it. And so he he changed everybody's minds, but somehow hasn't, even though Gracie is his. Like, there was still enough of the old school when she was growing up. Oh, yeah. I guess I sometimes forget that, like, they're, I, sometimes I forget that they are the Prolethians, if that makes sense. It's weird. Like, I see them as their thing, but I forget that they were really, like, connected to Maggie Chen and to Tomas. Yeah. So they were kind of an offshoot of the Prolethians then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They Well, they're a Prolethian compound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if Henrik and his science isn't the new bit, and it took a while for everybody to come over to that side. 
and maybe growing up, Gracie had a lot more access to the old ways. Do you think and that's why from another group of Prolethians and then built this new compound? I don't know. I think maybe in his pursuit of science, he found God, and then somebody smart enough just came by and was like, well, let me tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I still don't know what's hap- what all is happening there. But, uh, yeah, I was apparently wrong about Bonnie. Yeah, that's so, super interesting. And, I mean, while we're on the topic of Bonnie and Gracie, what did you guys think of Mark coming and giving Dr- Gracie a drink through a straw, which is probably the first thing she's gotten to eat or drink in over 12 hours? It was cute and creepy. I can Because cause Mark is creepy. Mark is very creepy. Like, when I saw him kiss her on the cheek and then say, I don't care what you do, I thought, oh, that seems really sweet because you care about her. And also, you're so weird, and I'm kind of terrified of you at the same time. That's kind of how I felt. Yeah, he does seem a bit creepy, um, but I thought it was sweet when he kissed her. So, I don't. yeah, I just thought it was sweet. I think there was a lot of subtle emotional stuff in this episode overall, and I think that yeah. was one of those moments where it was like, okay, kind of like cracking the surface veneer. Well, I kind of felt like, yeah, it was very sweet and very nice of him to do that, and he he really cares about her. But I also felt like he was marking his territory. Mm. With the yeah, kids. I can go along with that, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So it was downright, it was creepy. Yeah, well, I mean, he exists, and that's creepy, and I'm not sure why. Yeah. I guess I guess the feeling I had was, you wonder, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? What is he going to do? And when all he did was kiss her, I was like, oh, okay, good. Whew. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was a little like, um, like, and and then like as he was leaning in, I was like, oh, don't kiss her over the stitches, don't kiss her over the stitches, don't kiss her over the stitches. Yeah, and I think yeah. the reason I thought it ended up being sweet wasn't just the kiss on the cheek, which I mean, in that society, it's not like you go around just kissing people on the cheek. Yeah, you don't go around smooching people. You don't. Like, that's actually a big deal and probably the first affection that he's really shown, like, outright. He's probably kind right. of talked to her and whatnot. And what what was more interesting to me was that he said, you know, no, you know, what, if something happened, just confess. Confession heals all, whatever, whatever. And that seems like it could be like, oh, just tell the truth. And I'm working, like, for your dad or for your mom or whatever, trying to get you to tell the truth. But then when he kisses her and then says, I don't care what you say, but it was like, oh, I think he might actually care for her because he just wants her to get her mouth unsewn, but he's not so concerned about Helena. He's more concerned about not having Gracie have the repercussions of what she may or may not have done to Helena. Right. I, I have a question. How did, somebody said that Mark had been in the military. How did we yeah, know that? Yeah, it was the first time he talked to Heinrich, he said something about that when we first met him. Oh, okay. I can't remember the exact line, but because Mark, I think, is new to the compound. Yeah, he seemed fairly he new. And that mm-hmm. was his background. Like, you know, he came from there to the compound, which just seemed weird. Like, it was a weird detail. Like, I was in the military. Now I'm going to be a Prolethean. That's a weird thing. So I think that's why it stuck out to me. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I don't know if it was episode one or two of this season. I can't remember for sure. Uh, what other big thing ha- that happened do we want to discuss? <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about Helena meeting Brother Sastra? Ooh. 
Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, that, those were some of my favorite lines in, in mm-hmm. that scene at the beginning. Yeah, that scene. Poor Felix just was not having a good episode. No, no. she really was not having a good episode. No. First, he has to deal with Meathead. I love how, you know, he's... Obviously, he's not happy to have Helena at his apartment because this is a whole thing, and he's had enough whole things. And, I mean, he he got that five-way interrupted, and that was so unfortunate for him, and now all of his plans just keep being wrecked because, you know, his sister's a clone, and that's crazy, and he loves her and will do whatever for her. But Helena lying on his couch in the wedding dress. Oh. And then Sarah yeah. and him talking in the background. It's just such an odd scene to think about. Like and she kisses at him. And she kisses yes. at him. And yeah. kisses at him. He about pees himself. Mm-hmm. Ah. Did you notice his shirt was a tarot card? I thought that was yeah. funny. Uh, yeah, no, it was just great. He almost wets himself. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, hey, that is my brother, which means he is our sister. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> Got it, Mian? Don't call me this. <laughs> Do you understand, yes, Helena? Yes, Sastra? Felix is like, oh, God. Great. <laughs> right. Now I'm a Sastra. <laughs> and I like how he still got her a kind of cute outfit. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Did she look tiny to anyone else? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, even in comparison to normal, like, Helena always looks pretty small. But Helena just looked minuscule. She looked. Yeah, she well, she hasn't eaten much. Right. Or at least not Helena much. And her hair is gigantic. Yeah, really I think that's shrinker. a big part of it. It really shrinks her. And then we're also not used to her being in such, like, form-fitting clothing. Even though what she was wearing wasn't necessarily tight, it was definitely more form-fitting than the wedding dress or her big jacket or any of that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, I, I, I had been, you said she always seemed small, but I thought she always seemed big because of the clothes she wore. And you're right, in this one she looks just, she seems to have lost this outer layer, and, and she's much yeah. more, she seems much more, um, and it's an outer layer of clothes, but it also seems like it's an outer layer of defenses, maybe. If they're not all gone, but, but some of them are gone. Right. Well, I mean, other than the hair, nothing about it is really Helena because, yeah. you know, the coat we came to see as, oh, well, that's Helena's coat or the wedding dress. You know, oh, that's clearly Helena because not everyone is wearing a bloody wedding dress. And so, yeah, just to see her in normal clothes, I think it's Janice, interesting you think she looked big. I always feel like she was kind of dwarfed by her clothing even more than some of the others. I mean, Sarah wears big coats and stuff, too, but but then seeing her... I don't know. I guess it's just a different kind of small. Yeah, I get what you were saying about how tiny she looked. And Helena and Art is hilarious. I love oh. Helena and Art so much. Oh, they were great. They were great. I think just hello, Art. <laughs> or hello, Detective. Hello, yeah. Detective. <laughs> and, like, Art just doesn't know how to talk to her. Mm-mm. Like, well, she was just... really nasty to him. I mean, oh, she was. his pig sounds. Yeah, I mean, I think if I was coming, you know, coming around to liking Helena, I, you know, in that scene, it was all, you know, swapped away. Uh, Although I guess I guess I have to give it to her for not completely like caving in. No, right. We wouldn't Uh, want that. But yeah, no, I did like the pig noises. I just liked when Felix was bringing her to Detective Bell's place when he's like, "Come on, little Sestra." 
<laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's and she's wearing his funky bicycle helmet. Right. Yeah. yeah. That is so funny. <laughs> what the fuck? And I like I like how Felix is like, uh, food. Bye. Yeah. Yep. Well, when he goes to frisk her, when Art goes to frisk Elena, I just gave her new clothes. She doesn't have any weapons or that's uh-huh. my pen. <laughs> and I wanted to write letter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting too, um, and that obviously, you know, fashioning anything into a weapon would come into play later. But this is the second time Helena has really indicated I, that she doesn't like to be touched by anyone, and I think right. that's an indication of her upbringing and, you know, obviously the trauma that she faced in the Ukrainian convent. Because I think it was in the last episode. She was like, don't touch me to someone. Yeah. And she doesn't like, uh, she really doesn't like men touching her. Right. Because was it Felix in the last one or like, I don't know, was it even Sarah? I don't I remember don't, who it was, but. I don't remember. Oh, I think it was maybe on the farm, actually. Yeah, I think it was. Probably. I think, uh, I think Henrik maybe tried to touch her again or Mark. Oh, and she okay, yeah. Out. But yeah, I she really I, does not like men touching her. No, she really, really doesn't. And also, I was so worried about the fish in that fish tank. <laughs> I wasn't. She was going to eat them, like, live. I didn't know what she was going to do. I thought she might, like, use something <laughs> in the tank. Well, okay, first of all, that fish tank is overpopulated to begin with, because I have this thing with fish. And it was overpopulated to begin with. But then I was like, oh, you're looking at the fish, and you're, I don't know, don't do anything. Just, I don't know what she was going to do. I was afraid she was going to, like, break the tank, maybe, and try to use a shard of it. Mm. No, I don't think she would hurt harmless pets. I, you know, that you mention it, that makes good sense. I don't know that she would either. I think she probably views animals as a lot, I don't know, in a lot higher regard than people in a lot of ways, considering how people have treated her. Yeah, I don't think she would have harmed the, the fish or... Like if Art had a cat or a dog or something, I don't. I think she would have been very snuggly with animals and then been like Art, food, <laughs> for me and my friend. Yes. <laughs> so I'm watching her eat was just hilarious. I love it. I have to tell you something important. I like these. <laughs> yeah, these, <laughs> these I like. <laughs> these I like. These I like. That was really good. And poor Art just trying to figure out how like just asking her normal questions and like why aren't you answering me because she doesn't know how to talk to you like a human dude right you have to try and follow her train of thought poor art poor Mm -hmm. art i know well and i mean helena was in a situation that she didn't like and she kind of of it and i i mean i like too and she's handcuffed and she's like how does this help my sister because she doesn't understand why she's being restrained, but it turns out you're being restrained because you're going to do things like escape and then handcuff Art to the wall. <laughs> yeah. So as much as I would like to believe that you're fine without any sort of restraint, I don't know that I would trust her either. Right. And her idea of helping Sestra isn't necessarily the best way to help Sestra. True. Very true. Do, do we want to start talking about Rachel? Sure. I think there was just a mild earthquake. Oh. Sorry, everything just shook for a second. <laughs> you know what? I heard something in the background a little while ago. I did, too. I was wondering what that was. I, I think we may have just had a little tremor. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It's all right. 
I lived in L.A. for a long time. We're good. I'm good, yeah, especially since I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Oh. Uh, I don't know if things start shaking. No, if things start shaking for real, you'll hear loud noises and probably cussing. Okay. Because I'm still moving really slow, so I can't really get to a safe spot super quick. Oh, yeah, that's true. World, Liz isn't feeling great. Don't have an earthquake. Yeah. Seriously. Right um. So what were we going to talk about next? I got distracted by Rachel. Rachel. Because, you know, saying Helena isn't always best at deciding how to solve problems. Yes. So prelude to and that, maybe. We kind of opened the show with Rachel. Right. We did. Right. She's looking at, she's coming back to her apartment. So do you think she had cared for Daniel? Yes. Mm-hmm. I also think so. I think it was in her very Rachel way, but I think she did care for him. And when she, you know, leaned down and kind of like closed his eyes or put her hand over his eyes, it's one of the only outward signs of emotion that we've ever seen from Rachel and actually this first scene I really liked because we got kind of a lot of an indication of what goes on in Rachel's head because out of everything that she saw in that first scene what was the thing that upset her the most like was it the bloody knife was it seeing Daniel it was the fact that Helena had been in her house and fucked her shit up because when I saw her start to break it was when she noticed that the VCR had a video in it yeah, and when she ejected it, that's yeah, when that's her mouth true. started trembling. And she was like, I felt like she felt violated at the fact that Sarah had played that video. That was so deeply personal to her because that was the last thing she saw. And, like, she looks at the bloody knife and she goes, animals. And, you know, she sees Daniel and talks about the white whale and everything. But that's when she kind of lost it and said, um, like, I think Leigh tells her about her heavy-handed tactics causing all of this. And she's like... I've only just begun. Yeah, she felt violated, which is not a feeling she is used to having. She is normally the person doing the violating. So I think she was really like, "Ah, who are these? Ah, I am the pro-clone. I am the one who is self-aware. I am the one who knows everything that's going on and is in complete control of everything. Who are you, you con artist and sociopath? To come into my home, kill my monitor slash sex friend, and learn about my personal private things that I don't want you to know about because I want you to think I run Cold Bitch Digest. And now you have all these super personal details about me, and I don't like that. Right. And, I mean, that that seems to be the biggest violation of Rachel. Like, I don't feel like if anyone tried to – well, okay, no one would be able to dominate her sexually unless there was something really crazy going on, because I'm just pretty sure she would never allow that, um, given Paul. But, yeah, yeah. that's a... That's a, yeah. That's a. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I think that that emotional violation, I mean, she has kind of tried to close herself off to emotion. And it, it's interesting when you think that Kasima had said in the last episode, I think it was, that... You know, she's cold, she's calculated, she, you know, she'll have been raised in labs and she'll, you know, not have had any interaction with her parents as Sarah's watching that video. And I think that Rachel has tried very hard to become what Kasima thinks that she would be. Right. But then there's that first six years or nine years or whatever of her life that that kind of keeps bubbling to the surface, which, 
makes me kind of wonder what's going to happen. Like, is she actually going to meet her father? I don't know. I don't know how that's. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, he might be alive, right? Right, right. The swan man might be alive. That's the assumption as of this point. Yeah. I just cannot tell you how much, how much I did not enjoy that scene with her and Paul. (laughs) No. I did not enjoy that. But that's what this show is about. Yeah. To set boundaries and lack thereof. Right. Right. And and they did it in a really real way. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm fa- okay. This is a this is a personal thing for me that drives me nuts about um, television shows. Whenever there is supposed to be an intimate moment between a man and a woman, um, and like they break away from each other, and there is no indication that the man is actually aroused, other than he like makes a no, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Exactly. And they'll do, like, full body shots of them, and there's nothing happening in the guy's pants. Like, he's not making that noise if his pants are laying that flat. True. That is, mm-hmm. a, that is a thing that just personally, like, it's movie magic. It, it bothers me. In the scene where uh, Rachel takes her little robe off and Paul is in his uh, skivvies, mm-hmm. and they kind of break away, he is erect. Oh! He is. And she like pulls his underwear and looks too yeah like like there's a couple other scenes where like he's moving stuff like he's getting the chair he's doing this um and like his leg is kind of in the way or his hand like you can't fully see that area again but when they first break away he is erect and i was i had to stop it and rewind it like three times i was like is that that is that is yep boner go attention to detail yeah I was, <laughs> That's one of the things I've always talked about with this show, especially in their relationship to the way sex is portrayed, is it's generally pretty realistic. It's not the, I mean, there are the moments of TV magic and stuff, but there's a lot of, wait, no, I have to guide it in. And I was just going to say that, actually. <laughs> and, and they do it again here. She, like, is trying to keep eye contact, but then she has to, like, look down and adjust things. And um, I like that they keep it so real. So I was going to be really disappointed if they didn't, whether they had that actor, like they just said, yeah, hot chick's going to be rubbing up on you. Just let stuff happen. Or if there was a prosthetic there or if it was TV magic, I don't really care. It was depicted. And that really made me happy. No, it's important. And I think it helps because that scene is not supposed to be a comfortable or sexy one to watch obviously that's not the point of it and it makes it all the more uncomfortable when it looks so real well especially with paul not looking excited but physically being excited right because tatiana maslani is hot and she's rubbing you know rachel's an attractive woman and she's rubbing up against him his body is going to react before his brain can cut in and go no 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 don't do that Mm -hmm. yeah and so I, uh, I I really thought that was an important part of realism. I think, that, and I'm pretty sure they did that on purpose, whether it was web prosthetic or whatever. But yeah, it really goes to, and it speaks to how people have the illusion that men can't be raped, and it speaks yeah. to that because they certainly can. And like, yeah, because in this case, he couldn't say no. Yeah. So in that, in my eyes, it is a form of rape. No, absolutely, he couldn't. He couldn't go. Yeah, no, I don't really want to do this. 
But well, and he, he, couldn't, that when... he couldn't respond either. Remember, he he she pulls away and he tries to grab her again he, because she he's feeling some passion and she Jesus out of yeah him. yeah. It was any exertion of control that Paul was going to do. Like not even right. I'm trying to control you, but I'm trying to be a part of this. Right. That's when she yeah. would slap him. Like yeah. he was not allowed yeah. to be a part of whatever was happening. Right. And I liked their exchange. Oh, did Daniel like it this way? Did Rachel? Or, or did Sarah? Rachel? Did Sarah? Like, no, she didn't hit me. This and is angry, sex. angry sex. Yes, well, I am you... very upset right now. Okay, was this, did you, you think, think that it was, do you think it was, this is the way she always had sex? This is the, or is this the way she was going to have sex with Paul because it, because he had had sex with Sarah? Or was it both? That's a good question. I think sex for her always involves a lot of her being the dominant person, but I think Daniel was a lot more okay with that and a lot more of a willing participant in it, Do you or think at least understood his role better. And with Paul, it was very much um, in the same way that a man would do it. Um, it was very much the, no, you need to understand that I run everything. I control every aspect of you now so you will sit here and you will only participate as much as i allow you to for my pleasure and my enjoyment so i don't really qualify that as sex that's something totally different <laughs> oh it's, it's totally assault it's rape yeah it's yeah. rape and it rape is. is not about sex it's about control which is exactly what this yeah. is about and do you think that i think janice brought up a good point I mean, maybe she does always have to be in control in the bedroom or chair, but (laughs) (coughs) sorry, I was going to lose my voice for a second, but maybe the fact that she knows that he has been with Sarah and Sarah is her, like the thorn in her side right now, obviously, like Sarah is the one causing her to behave not so clinically. Her nemesis. She is her nemesis. I mean, we thought that Sarah and Helena would be nemeses, but no, no, (laughs) not at this point. I mean, Mm -hmm. Rachel might not even consciously think this, but she might be being more violent toward Paul or more dominant and not even letting him be a part of it just because it's like, I can't control your former sex friend. Yeah, I can't control your past. Yeah, I can control right now. And I like controlling him feels like controlling something that was Sarah's, maybe it's probably yeah. Thinking really mm-hmm. deeply about it, but this show and steel instills lots of deep thoughts. Yes, deep thoughts. That's what makes it good to discuss. Mm-hmm. I was going back a little bit in their relationship. I was really surprised that Rachel would let Paul see her watch that tape because of the control. I mean, obviously, I think I think she was watching it because. Because it did bring back feelings for her, for her, it was it was meaningful. She she tells Paul, "Oh, I need to know what Sarah knows about me," but I didn't buy that. But why would you watch that if someone was going to come in the room, or if someone was could come in the room? I mean, is he that? Does he have to be that close to her that she has no privacy to be able to watch the tape? Because that he is he is her monitor, and she is self aware of the study. So, yes, Hmm. for her, it would be imperative that he see her in an emotional state so he can report back to that appropriately. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I'd never really even thought of it like that, but that's a really good point. I think 
also, I mean, in terms of watching that, could she be trying to rebuild her defensive? Like, if I watch this and then I can prove that I can be okay and watch this, then... Paul and the Rachel. That is disgusting. Uh, that it was a power play. Yeah. Yes. So, we didn't finish our discussion on poor Felix's day. Aww. Poor he gets Felix. to drop off the Sestra. Mm-hmm. And our favorite little morgue attendant, Colin. I love him so much. Oh my gosh, me too. And so does Felix. And I think they, so. Mm-hmm. They are just so adorable. And Colin's like, listen, last time I was here, no, no, that's all past. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Let's start dancing and schmoozing and bring out the lube <laughs> and cops. Yeah. Cops-ish. Cops-ish. Well, some, some cops, some... Yeah, some cops, and then Paul. 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 Paul, Paul, Paul. I thought it was oh, it was amusing, though, when the cops come in and they call out Felix's name, but Colin's hands are the ones that shoot right up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're covered in just dripping with yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, ah. I mean... It's not the most awkward situation. There there were still mostly clothes. Right? It's on the way to the most awkward situation. Yeah, it could have been further along. About than three that. minutes away. About yeah. three minutes away from the world's most awkward situation. Right. I, I just, Felix, honey, lock your door. You have a screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I were going to be having a sex party with, someone I would probably lock my door with my screwdriver I'm just saying like it seems like he doesn't lock his door at the most inopportune times like when Vic the dick will come in or when he's yeah near coital with Colin and then the cops come in can you imagine how many interruptions he would have like if he never locked his door oh my god I just imagine people are always waiting to barge into his apartment now Yes, that's pretty much, there's a line of people. <laughs> well, you know, Sarah did it before, and now she's got all the other sisters, you know, they probably are going to be doing it, too. Probably. Oh, that poor guy. I know. But, no, it was interesting that Colin was the one to immediately be like, oh, no, what did I do? What are they asking me about? Because he's not used to this world at all. No. Not uh-huh. at all. He's used to being a mortgage time then, and... That's a job, and you don't, I mean, you deal with death, so you probably deal with police reports and things, but not, like, people coming in interrogating you about something you did wrong and something he legitimately did wrong and something that is a really, really big deal. I mean, falsifying a death report is a really, really big deal. So he's understandably skittish because the last time he got involved with this Felix guy, things didn't go so well for him. and. So, I mean, he's probably still just on edge about that. And Felix has been dealing with, you know, cops and dyad and craziness and Sarah. So he's a little less likely to be faced yeah. by police interaction. But, yeah, the I just thought it was really interesting. And I also liked, you know, we better not find anything incriminating at your friend's place. They won't. Probably. Probably. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. Sorry, baby. Yeah. And then Paul, big dick Paul, mm-hmm. I like the uh, extra meaning there, <laughs> and just so poor Felix was so scared, thinking he was going to get shot, when in reality he's just, you know, being arrested for the murder of a cop. 
you know. Yeah. I mean, as soon as as soon as I saw the gun, I knew what was going to happen. I don't know yeah. about you guys, but it was pretty telegraphed when I think at the beginning scene with Rachel, you know, like that can be tied to the murder of or whatever. Like that's a murder weapon. I don't remember what yeah. they said. Yeah, Cal made a big deal out of being a murder weapon. Yeah, well, and I think even in the scene with Daniel, like when Rachel is seeing him. Oh, yeah. At the beginning, because yeah. that's when they took mm-hmm. the gun from that scene. So it was it was pretty clear, like they might as well have written in text, this will not be used to shoot Felix. This will be used to put him in jail for the murder of the cop that Daniel shot. Yeah, well, when Paul put on the glove. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. But understandably, mm-hmm. Felix doesn't know all of this prehistory, and I would be right. terrified, too. Oh, poor baby. And he must be so scared being in jail. Not knowing if he's going to get out and how all that's going to work. I would be terrified to be in jail if I were him, too, not just being because I'm in jail, but because he is a very obviously gay man who is dressed in very obviously gay fashion. Right. As he's being arrested. And it's really sad that that has to be a thing. But it is a thing. And it makes me more terrified for him. Yeah. Seriously. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the same kind of thing that makes me, like, more scared for Colin just in his line of work. Not that he will be, you know, outright, we are harassing you because you're gay. But the cops clearly don't take well to him being with Felix. And they don't seem to think that his sexual preferences are the greatest things either. It's just the implication that I've gotten from, I don't know, just the interactions that he's had with the police. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. And it's not like all cops are like that or anything. Like, art isn't. No, Art doesn't care at all. No, but it does make me scared for him. And just, okay, it's funny because I don't know why these details stick out. But is anyone else glad that he did not choose that hideous gold sequin tank top? Yes. That would not have set the correct mood for this. No, I I liked the montage of him changing in a very uh, stereotypically feminine way. Yes. Yes. Uh And making sure his makeup is right and his cologne is on. And his adorable curls. Yes. And he cleans, he cleans up the bathroom. Oh, yeah. It's so precious. It probably has been a bit since Allison's done that, so. <laughs> yeah, it was it was beautiful. I really liked that thing. And then we have Cosima and our puppy. Yes, we do. I think this is another one of those things. Cosima's always my favorite, and just so much shit goes down here. <laughs> yes. Like invading Leaky's office and then finding out that treatment is being withheld from you. It's frustrating on about 10 levels, probably. Seriously? I love the scene with her and Delphine and Scott. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was great when she's like, Scott, you're supposed to be my expert. And he's like, I'm a blogger, pretty much. Yeah. Why can't I come help you? Because we would have to kill your family. (laughs) Bye. Delphine, why can't Scott help us on the super sensitive shit? (laughs) Yeah. But he mentioned that he was applying for, what, a grant or something? And then Delphine's like, hi, Scott. Bye, Scott. <laughs> yeah. All right. Peace out. Mm-hmm. i out with my girlfriend now. See you never. No, Scott is funny. I hope we get more Scott appearances or something because he just makes me laugh. And he's a tie to Cosima's former life. And it's kind of nice yeah. when these people show up and not just because they're so, like, weirdly interconnected with the clone thing. I, I kind of like seeing someone from her former life as a scientist. Yes. I agree. And the implications of what they were discussing, the patent law. Yeah, the patent law. And then when they were with Leaky and Leaky saying, yeah, so 
Um, yeah, everything burned up, and we don't really know anything. So, yeah, let's see if the Simpsons work for you, I guess. So everything's maybe. been destroyed. Sucks for you. <laughs> yeah. And your so sisters. Not, yeah, so the whole project is an orphan. Black. Right. Uh, <laughs> now. And so we're, under his breath. So we're going to have to, um, yeah, this isn't. Yeah, pretty much we lost, like, everything. So we don't really know what your genome does anymore, really. It's kind of a crapshoot. I liked Kasima, so it's looking for, like looking for hay in a haystack. Yeah, and he was like, um, yes, that. Exactly. Exactly that. Do you guys, I don't know, do you think that that is really true? That they don't know that they that lost That the genome's it? gone? Yes. Okay. I've just never been I... sure. I I really do. Um, while they do have some answers, because only like what two thirds or a third of it was lost. Did they say that? I thought. The original yeah, yeah, it, it was so, yeah. everything. It was it was a lot of reams or something like that. Okay. But the big thing was the um, genetics, the the genome itself. But there's other stuff that they do know, and so I think that there's. There's a little bit, like, that they can answer, but a lot that they can't, mm-hmm. uh, which is why it's been so important to find Helena and Sarah. Yeah, that makes sense because of the reproductive capabilities and also them being twins and whatnot. I think Yeah, they make for a really interesting different subset of the experiment. I've just always been curious about that. And, I mean, now that we think, like, Rachel's dad might be alive, even though he died in the fire. Right. It just kind of seems like maybe something does still exist and we don't know about it. I could be completely wrong. I have no idea. And for all we know, Leaky is telling the truth as far as he knows it. I mean, Leaky knows. Until he meets Sarah in the bar at the end, does Leaky know about Professor Duncan? I don't think so. No, I I don't think think so. I think he was Mm -hmm. honestly surprised. Okay, because I thought so too. I did like that little bit with Kasima saying, we have a proposition for you. No. <laughs> and then Delphine's like, we? No, no, not we. We. <laughs> well, I mean, but did you think Delphine felt excluded by that? I think she did probably for a moment until she found out what the proposition was. Oh, yeah. okay. Because it was, you know, when it was, do you like to drink beer? <laughs> yeah. And I love Leaky's response to it. Just like, wait, what? <laughs> but, I mean, I think it's good that we're getting, I don't know, she's having that intradermal test to, to check things. I don't know. Have any of you seen the L word? No. Okay. No. No. Gotcha. There's just, there's a scene at the beginning of the L word in the very first episode that this kind of reminded me of, even though it's different because in that they're trying to artificially inseminate one of the women and not do like a skin test but just the way it was shot at first with like Delphine kind of kissing the right. and it was very medical situation but and then what um before we get to Cal what did you think about Sarah's interaction with Leaky at the end um I think that she was really upset that she didn't know Cosimo was sick and Leaky found out a bit of information that the girls aren't nearly as close as they have been telling him they are. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure that proves much. I mean, just because lots of people are reluctant to say, to share news like that. I think it's surprising more not just because I'm sick and I should tell you. It's I'm sick with the clone thing, and you guys could potentially get sick with the same thing too. 
So I don't know if she's trying to protect them by hiding it and trying to kind of fix it herself or if it's something that realistically she should be sharing. I mean, Cosima was the one that when she found out Sarah had a daughter, she was like, why didn't you tell us this sooner? Yeah. Right. Well, why didn't you tell us you were coughing blood up like the German? Right. So I think Leaky was surprised not just because it was a life detail, but because it was something so... Yeah, it was really... It's very relevant to them. Yes, because all their health is tied together. Yeah, and Cosima finding a you know, solution to this and or dying, both right. of those have huge implications for the rest of the sisters. Well, I mean, I guess also I feel like she may feel like they're handling other parts of the problem, which is Rachel. True. She's, she's handling, like, the health issue. That's what makes I mean, I guess such a weird I guess, thing. You know, they, they, they have their issues, and they're not all on – they are not all on board together. It's very true. But I'm not sure I really feel like felt like Sarah not knowing that Cosima was sick was the the most to me it, yeah. it's not the most important thing. What's more important to me is like the fact that Sarah wants to go off and just hide with Kira. Yeah. I would feel that if I were one of the other clones would feel that as more of a betrayal. Oh, you're not staying here to help help us than Cosima not telling them about help. I, right. I, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't make sense, but to me that's just I would find that more disturbing. No, I think that's a good point, actually. That is that is also disturbing. And I can see where that would feel like an abandonment, too. And maybe Cosima doesn't want to clue Sarah in on everything because Sarah doesn't necessarily want to be all in either. Mm, possible. Are we ready to move on to talk about Cal? Hey, Janice, you want to talk about Cal? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Janice, what are your thoughts on Cal? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, I'm... Considering the other things he's been in, wouldn't it be nice if he had to take his clothes off? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that would be an important plot device in the show. <laughs> Absolutely. It's crucial. It 100%. Is crucial. I like yeah, Cal. I, I do, too. Overall, he is to be trusted. No. I, we all like Cal, and I even like Cal. So that tells me that either Cal's going to be dead <laughs> or Cal's going to be a really bad guy. So... But, I know. don't know. Joss Whedon and J.R. Martin aren't the ones writing the show. <laughs> no, I know. But... Excellent point. That is <laughs> true. I don't know. I mean, so far, Delphine hasn't been evil. No. I don't know. I hope that never comes to pass. Because I like her. I want her to stay around forever and ever and ever. Me, me too. Yeah. I really like Delphine. And I like Cal way much more than I like Paul. Well, yeah. Even when Paul was supposedly a nice guy, I still like Cal better. All that time that Paul was sympathetic, that has just been erased by this episode. Yeah, it just, it's gone. Yeah. Because I remember a time where I thought, oh, maybe he's not such a bad guy. Maybe he cares. And you know what? Hate you. Yeah. Hate you, Paul. Hate you, Paul. Well, I, I still feel like he says at one point, you know, are you, do I have a choice or are you just reminding me that I don't have a choice? I still think he doesn't have a choice, or he feels like no, he, he doesn't, doesn't have a choice. You know, maybe you wish we wish he would be more courageous, but he's not. Right. But I don't think he's doing it because I, I really feel it's because he doesn't have a choice that he's doing it, not because he wants this promotion or wants to look better in Rachel's eyes. Or he's gone. He's. I don't feel like he's really gone over to the dark side. He's just not fighting it. I yeah. agree with yeah. you 100%, but I still just hate him. <laughs> so... 
It's more that. <laughs> it's one of those, I, I see everything that's going on with him, but I don't like him right now. He's not quite DeAngelis, hmm. also known as did not appear in this episode. Thank goodness. Thank you. Thank you, DeAngelis, for not showing your cow face. <laughs> Thank you. I was worried she was going to show up at Art's apartment or something and just ruin everything. No. I was, it's two episodes in a row without her. I'm like, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it probably can't last long, but... Yeah, you're about to do for a return to Earth. <laughs> yeah. But we can take these moments and cherish them, right, Liz? Mm-hmm. Yes. I hope Allison got some rest. She was gone. She wasn't in this. Mm-hmm. Well, she's out of the spa. The spa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got she's got shit to do at the spa. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, returning to Cal and Kira, I think they had a really interesting interchange when Kira was drawing the pictures of her mom and the aunts. Yes. Like, I thought your mom didn't have any sisters. I can tell them apart. And then, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? There's someone coming. So Kira yeah. is basically just clairvoyant. She's a super child. And I really want to know why. So intriguing, and they've given us so many clues that something is special about this little girl. Like, I mean, I was a smart eight-year-old. That's not just a smart eight-year-old or however old she is. Is she eight? Yeah, she's about eight. Okay. She's seven or eight. Like, there's more going on, and we keep just getting these little clues and not really even progressing the clues in the sense of them building and building and building. It's more just kind of the same kind of thing every once in a while. But I feel like something's going to go down with that, and I don't know what. But she's really good on her feet, like Cal said, too. But Cal is also really smart because when she was like, someone's coming before, like, the television heard the knock at the door or whatever, he heard it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I think, like, Cal might be a little not cloned or genetically altered or anything like that, but he might just be someone who's a little extra perceptive. Well, I mean, if, and, if you're listening for someone coming and you're in the middle of nowhere with leaves and grass and things to be right. stomped on, then you can, you know, you can hear rustling. But, yeah, I think that Cal and a clone producing a child would make it a a super crazy smart kid. Most likely. Because, I mean, Cal created drones to help bees, but are now bombing people. So we know Cal is hyper-intelligent. So someone who's that kind of smart and creative and all of that, mixed with the, the clone genes, could produce a very gifted child. No, I think you're right, and I, I just think it's interesting how Cal and Kira play off one another in that scene, too. And what did you think Definitely. of Cal's alternate identity? Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Cal's I don't know. What do, what, was there anything special about it? It just seems... He has one. The fact well, that he, he has, has one. one. Yeah, right. it just kind I of mean, whipped we, it out there. But we kind of suspected that last episode, because he told Sarah that the, it, the vehicle wasn't registered in his name. Right. See, I never picked up on that from the last episode. I think I just thought, oh, it's from someone else. I figured it was from a relative or someone who died, I think was my, which is probably what I was supposed to think and not, I have a secret identity. So it's, it's not something I picked up on before he grabbed the wallet, which was on the outside of the trailer. Wasn't it in the cupboard before? Well, the gun was in the cupboard and the money. Mm Mm-hmm. And and his ID that says Cal and stuff like that. No, it wasn't on the outside. It was in the glove compartment. But he oh, had to. Okay. Yeah, but he was outside, so it was quicker to lean in through the the door as opposed to going in and going through the like that. Okay, that makes sense. I was just wondering why is where is he storing this that it is accessible from the outside and not like inside the trailer? But no, that makes sense. And then 
Kira telling her mom, I'm not a monkey anymore. I'm a leopard. <laughs> and you can talk to dad now because you fucking abandoned me again, you lying bitch. Yeah. <laughs> or I may have read into that. You may have, but that was pretty close. But she doesn't seem all sad about being a leopard. I mean, granted, when we first see Cal and Kira, you know, her socks are wet, and he's so yeah. good with her. He's so good with her. He really is. I love, you know, there's no reason you shouldn't have really awesome socks. <laughs> yeah. And then when Sarah sees Kira, too, like, yeah, I see that. And she says the leopard thing from her hat. I like the jacket, too. So they clearly went on a shopping spree. Yeah. And uh, she is really upset because Mom left her again, yeah. which is heartbreaking in so many ways. It's not something and that she should be used to, but she's seeming very used to it. Yeah. And Cal, listen, I didn't tell her to call me Dad. <laughs> yeah, I love, I keep telling her it's Cal, but she, she daddied me three times earlier. <laughs> yeah, which I really, really liked, but I'm not going to tell you that unless you tell me it's okay. Because I don't do think I'm trying to keep her. Right. But I would totally keep her. Yeah, I think Cal wants to be a part of her life, but is also really smart about not saying, well, now I know I have a daughter. I want her. Um, yeah. Well, I'm not sure. He's, he doesn't seem to be in a position to do that, though. Whatever's going on in his life, I'm not sure he can, like, go to court and say, yeah, I want to. Yeah, there's that. There's. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We don't know what else is going on in his life, which is clearly something. I mean, I would guess it stems from some of his scientific experiments and interactions with people like the military or like dyad. Right. There's probably something that is in his past that people could be looking for him, which is probably why he had the camper all stocked and ready to go. I think you guys mentioned that last week. Yeah. And when he opens the cupboard to get money and you see the gun right there, I think that was really smart in terms of direction and in terms of giving us a lot without actually mentioning and by the way yeah. i have a gun for protection mm-hmm. yeah like i didn't just have the shotgun because i hunt i also have a pistol so i can shoot people mm-hmm. right no i feel like there's a lot more to cow that we don't know there's a lot more to everybody that we don't know excellent point because this show is all shasty and secrety and shit yeah it is mm-hmm and I do kind of love that even though I've seen the whole thing, a lot of the questions I'm asking right now, I still have questions about. Okay. I won't yeah. tell you which one's Lynette, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's still some stuff like that I've kind of forgotten, too. So. Oh, me too. A lot of this is actually very fresh. So I made myself not watch the next episode, too, because I was like, I don't really remember what happens entirely. Yeah. There's I- so much. Uh-huh. I have to be really careful or I will get shit out of order. So, the end. Right. The end. Well, before we get to the end, is should we talk about Helena um, wanting to shoot Rachel? That's, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, that's, the, that's the end? Yeah. Okay. Have you guys seen the extra? Um, I think it's probably a DVD extra. I've been watching it on Amazon Prime, and they have a lot of the, like, what would be a DVD extra available for quote unquote free purchase, <laughs> which is weird. Like you have to put in your pin number to purchase it, even though it's free, but whatever, I don't care because I spent like 15 minutes just buying all of them for free. And the one for episode five is talks with the actors. It talks with Tatiana Maslany and whoever plays art. And I can't remember his name right now. And answered. 
Yes, yes. And then um, is it Jordan Guevara? Is that his name? It's Felix. Felix, yeah. Guevara. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't think Felix was in this one, but it's talking to Art and Tatiana Maslany about that end scene and how intense it was. And the actor who plays Art said, you know, the set was just gorgeous and it was so intense and it was so crazy. And there was no acting required on my part because seeing Tatiana as Sarah, seeing Tatiana as Helena, it was moving. Well, she's such a good actress. She's so good. And it's one of those scenes, again, that, you know, those three people, those are the same woman, but they're totally Mm -hmm. not. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. But, yeah, I really liked – I think Sarah was being completely honest. That was one of my questions. Do you think she was being honest? She wasn't faking it. I think she was being really honest in the Mm -hmm. fact that she really felt like she – she lost something that she couldn't explain to the other girls. Mm. That felt very mm. real to me. Yeah, I think it was very, very real. And she's been, I mean, she didn't want to just, like, lock Helena up in the trunk anymore, like, when she was taking her to arts and everything. Yeah. She feels a kinship to this woman. I mean, obviously, Helena has saved her own life now, too. But I feel like even if you did want to kill your sister and succeed... That's still a loss that you can't explain. Even if she is insane. An insane Sastra is still a twin for someone who knew nothing of her family at all and was adopted. Right. But, yeah, I mean, this is where we get the whole Rachel Paul domination situation. Um, And this episode just had so many, I don't know, it does this a lot, but it was just a lot of different instances of sexual behavior and how different it can be like Felix and Colin yeah. that was so beautiful mm-hmm. and awesome and I mean there wasn't like Delphine and Seema like sex scene or whatever but just sweet and then there's Rachel and then it showed us the flashbacks when she was talking to Art of Helena's experience at the Prolethean farm yeah being violated horribly and even Rachel's, you know, sense of violation about Sarah watching the video, it's just, it's something that struck me in this episode, especially. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was just a lot, a lot, a lot. All right, any other big topics we need to discuss? I think just more, like, the moment when Sarah says, you know, don't shoot Rachel, and just Helena's, you know, she is Rachel's problem, I fix problem. Yeah, yeah like, that's that's how I fix things, I kill the problem. And then, you know... She's Paul. Paul is unfaithful. I think. I think Helena says, and she's yeah. like, "I don't care about Paul. He's not important, so I kill him for you." Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, he cheated on you with the person that we hate, and you don't like him. He's not important. Cool. Can I shoot him now? Right. <laughs> That's how Helena fixes problems. Right. Now I need to go find a Ken doll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the thing too. When they got to Maggie Chen's locker and found the. A doll with a very, you know, snazzy black dress on, which was very fitting, even though I'm sure that wasn't specifically chosen for Rachel. Right. Um, because it was just a blonde doll that was wearing that. But then you see the blonde hair around the doll, and that's when it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. She had a really good cut on that hair. Yeah. She did. A little more a little off the top. Off the back. Yeah. yeah. A little more <laughs> off the back, Helena. Okay. You're very pretty, Rachel. <laughs> And then she said, she said something about so you know you're very pretty so much money so much money money yeah, yeah. that insight into Helena I think this little scene because 
then when she she put the lipstick on the doll too and then she put the lipstick on herself yeah and it was she said very dirty pretty just like my mother that was when she she did she was like talking um like do you like my hair paul she was doing a little like dialogue between the two of them and i think it was like very pretty dirty sexy rachel just like my mother where yeah, did that come from was she talking about yeah what mother was she meaning i don't know right it was another one of those lines that was kind of like Ooh. you could just skip it but you could also go huh it's in there for a reason yeah i and, love helena you know, helena's gonna help sarah find swan man so that brother sastra can get out of jail mm-hmm but that whole, I don't know, that end scene, I just loved it. And I love the way that it ended not with just them hugging or something. Like, a lot of shows would do that. Like, oh, embrace. Yeah. It was Helena gets down, Sarah helps her down, puts down the gun, and then they walk off kind of arms around each other. But something Yeah. Like, no. and, and did you look at the look on Art's face? Yeah. He's like, yeah. whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like every time Art finds out anything new, he's like, I knew that I was in something way over my head. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is mm-hmm. way over my head if I were standing on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just so crazy to him. But then, you know, Sarah calls Helene a meathead. Don't call me this. Again, like, that's just their thing. They're sisters. But I think that was the rest of what I had. I just love the end scene so much. Yeah. yeah, no, it was really good. All right, so let's do... Let's do quotes first. Uh, Sandra? There are so many, and obviously, discussing shows, I say a lot of quotes, but I think one of my favorites just has to be Brother Sastra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really good. Um, Lynette? It's just Sarah and Felix talking about Helena. Boy, just, just get her something to wear, please. Fine, I'm sure I have a Ukrainian folk costume in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> It was really good. Um, Janice? Um, this is also another Felix quote in that scene. You do realize I'm going to have to paint this to come to terms with it. <laughs> <laughs> I I really liked art. I have to tell you something very important. Mm-hmm. These, I like. <laughs> These, I like. <laughs> that, that was, was really great. That was that my backup That just summed them up so perfectly for me. Uh, did you have more, Sandra? I did, and now I can't find it. It was, I don't know, I can't find it. I might have deleted it, but it was it was when Felix and Sarah were talking to you, and it was like you're now pitted between two psychopaths, and then he says something about, like, yeah, you shot your evil twin sister dead only to have her arise and gut Rachel's monitor, I think it was. I can't remember the exact quote, but it was that yeah. one, and I really liked it. And then he says, how could I capture the nuance? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I got it. Yeah, you shot your evil twin sister dead only to have her arise and gut Rachel's henchmen. How could I capture the nuance? That was really good. Favorite scene, Sandra? The end one. The end one, absolutely. With all of the gun, sexy play, and emotion, and Helena, and Sarah, and Art, and I love it. What up? Well, I had, there was a bunch of favorite scenes I like that, but... I think I'm going to go with um, Art and Helena and Helena eating, because that was fun. <laughs> that was really fun. Um, Janice? Okay, I liked, um, I, I mentioned this before, but the, the scene when the cops walk in on Felix and Colin, and, uh-huh. and they, 
and they say Felix's name and Colin's hands shoot right up. <laughs> that was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the scene with Felix and Colin because it was just so sweet. It was a really good, loving, beautiful love scene. And um, that was the only bit of loviness, of that type of loviness we got in this episode. And I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. It's rare that we see that kind of just nice, happy loviness yeah. in this show. I mean, I think Cosima and Delphine are kind of like the only other two. With everyone else, there's always like underlying motivations and stuff, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've just realized now that those are the two same-sex couples on the show have way the most healthy relationships. <laughs> yeah, weird. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, all right, so do we want to do rating or... Do we do favorite clone and favorite non-clone yet? No, let's do that one first. So, uh, Sandra, favorite clone and non-clone. This is so hard. Um, it's funny because I was taking notes on the episode and was like, I'm going to write this down and I couldn't pick. So it's totally kind of spare of the moment thing. I think, I mean, in 90% of episodes, my favorite clone would always be Cosima, but I think in this one, it's actually Helena just because of what we get to see from her and the personality and kind of the, the insight into her background that we get just from lines like, just like my mother or, yeah, you know, another cootie catcher clue or whatever. I feel like we just got a lot from her, and not mm-hmm. all of it was was super stated out loud or whatever. Um, my favorite non-clone in this, it's really hard to pick between Art and Cal for me, but I think Art wins, maybe. So I'll go with that. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go with my favorite clone is Helena. Uh, I think kind of probably for the same reasons you just said, Sandra. But I'm going to go with my favorite non is Felix because we've got to see Felix do a whole bunch of different stuff this time. He got really put into the thick of things. And it was it was a little different. I like that. Okay, Janice? Um, I'm going to pick Helena as my favorite clone, too. Um I, she has wow. I know, but not because I like her necessarily, but because she 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 was in a lot of it and a lot was going on. I mean, you, start, you I mean, it starts the episode starts out and she's like lying on the couch in Felix's apartment and she's really kind of out of it and and it, I mean, she, you know, she's kind of out of it. Um, although she does hiss at Felix, but throughout the episode, she kind of gets stronger and stronger. I mean, she really does seem traumatized a bit by her experience, and she's lying on the couch at the beginning, and then she just gets stronger and and you know more obnoxious again. And um, but then again, at the end, it's, there's this softness because she's she's you know she and Sarah have this moment. Um, so she's my favorite clone, um, and favorite non-clone is probably Art. He again, he also had a lot of stuff, the, the stuff at his apartment, and then. You know what he has to do in the in the end scene. He's all he's, in now. Yeah, yeah. He is all kinds of in. Um. All right. My favorite clone is a tie between Sarah and Helena. Um. And since they are twins, they count as one, so that's fine. <laughs> and um, my favorite non-clone is Art because I think he was really important in this episode. 
Um, and I just liked him dealing with Helena. I think that should, I think they should have a new buddy cop show. That would be a great spinoff, I think. <laughs> Helena and Art. Yeah. <laughs> H&M. Um, all right, yeah. All right, uh, rating, Sandra. I'm so terrible at rating things, too. Too bad. I know, I know. I love this. This is the same problem I face on wrestling. Don't worry. People ask me to rate matches and episodes. I'm like, whatever. Leave that to people who do that. I mean, I love this episode. It's actually one of my favorites of the series as a whole. Um, And, like, American series, not British series. It's not perfect, but I don't know. A lot of the religious overtones and stuff, I grew up in a really conservative religious home and not nearly to the extent of the Prolethians or whatever, like nothing close to that. But I knew people who were closer to that. And so this one, all kinds of things for me, I would say like 9.5 overpopulated fish tanks. All right. Uh, Lynette? Well, it was, I was a really great episode, but I just really did not care for that whole scene with, with Rachel and Paul. And, you know, that's a good thing. I know that's a good thing, but it still really disturbed me for many, many reasons. So I gave it a nine very rude piggy snorts. <laughs> Janice? Um, I, well, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to rate it 10 out of 10. Ooh. Ooh, um, my goodness. Wow. I know, really awesome pairs of socks. Uh, <laughs> be, be, you know, there's... I thought everything, I mean, I just, there wasn't anything I didn't like. I mean, I still don't like Helena, but the scenes with her were, you know, they moved or they, you know, we learned something or she was, she was quintessentially Helena. So I, I didn't, couldn't find anything wrong with this episode. Now, Janice, are you glad that Gracie didn't succeed due to the character development of Helena? (laughs) (laughs) Am I glad? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I have to say yes. I guess I have to agree. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> See? Wow. Orphan Black is magic. Yeah. <laughs> What's the day today? Uh, the, 20, the 23rd of March. No, the 25th of March. Oh, the 25th of March. I looked at my phone because I wasn't sure. <laughs> I am going to give it um, nine pens in a boot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Out of ten. Nine is just an arbitrary number today because it was really, really good, but it wasn't perfect, so it gets a nine. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Completely fair. I almost went with lube-covered hands, and I was surprised no one else did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like it. Um, Janice, do you want to go ahead and read the feedback? Sure. Hey, guys. I have no idea what this title is. Hopefully one of you can explain it. We get another amazing pairing. Felix and Helena. He knows her well enough to tell Art that food might work with her. Oh, my heck, that girl sewed her mouth shut. Now that's dedication. Hmm. Uh, note in the middle of the feedback. Did she sew it shut or did her mother her sew it? Her mom sewed it shut, yeah. Okay. Uh, Heidi, yeah, no, Gracie did not show her, sew her own mouth shut as penance. Uh, she is pissed off that it happened. Okay. Back to the Heidi. I'm just as frustrated with Helena as Art is. I want her to tell him more about her life. And now I hate Paul. It's amazing how the way you feel about characters on this show can change so completely, so quickly. I'm even trusting Leaky a little because he's going against Rachel. 
I really have no idea where anyone's loyalties lie. Cal has given me no reason to distrust him, but I do. I really wanted Helena to at least kill Paul, but no such luck. Amazing how the relationship has changed with Sarah and Helena just from the last episode. This is really getting good. Heidi. We get a lot of awesome Helena scenes here. Helena eating, looking at art, being creepy, playing with dolls, painting girls on things. Just awesome. I also like how Helena thinks Sarah just wants to use her. She's not easily fooled. Leaky is breaking with Allison here. Does he mean Rachel? Hmm. Not sure we can trust him, but it's interesting where he is going with this. Granted, he is getting cooperation from the clones. Paul is mega untrustworthy, and not just because he was involved in some not-so-conceptual sex with Rachel. Because really, could he have said no then? But because of what he did to poor Felix, and right when he was getting his morgue guy groove on, I don't think morgue guy will be back. I still like art, and I love art and Sarah together. Kira and Cal are cute. Again, why does he have guns and fake IDs and the ability to disappear? I trust him, though. Sarah, I think, is so over Paul once Cal was back in the picture. So that's good. Gracie had her mouth sewn shut and locked in an animal stall. Ick. I hate these people. If she can't get Helena back, she has to carry the babies. You mean carry her father's baby. That's gross. I hope she runs away or goes to the cops or something. I'm not sure who that's from. Oh, I'm sorry. That was from Nutty, and she also said that she sent it from her phone and hopes that we don't judge the autocorrects. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for the feedback. Yes, everybody. Thank you for the feedback. And Sandra, tell everybody who you are and where we can find you again. My name is Sandra Ruth Wesselbeck-Reinstein, which is more than you need to know, probably. I have a lot of names. But I am the host of the NXT Rundown on Inside the Ropes VIP, And I also help out with the main Inside the Rope show that is free, so you can hear me and not have to pay to hear me all the time. Uh, Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Inside Network, or you can just search Inside the Ropes. I think we're the first one that comes up now. Um, Give us a like. Join the conversation. That's what Robert always says. I don't know. Um, Or you can check us out at insidetheropes.co.uk. We have a lot of archive stuff. And you can hear weekly wrestling chat just from some fans who really enjoy it. And I think that's my only thing. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Sandra Ruth RW. I talk about wrestling pretty much exclusively. So if you're a wrestling <laughs> fan and you want to talk to me on Twitter, which I use now only because of wrestling, you can do that too. Sandra awesome. with an O. Sandra All right, Sandra. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, we will be back next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, for all you newbies, be careful of the spoilers out there. There are a lot going on right now. Yeah, I got a, I got a spoiler today that I was really excited about. Uh, yeah, I was really happy about it. Um, but yeah, so be careful of the spoilers. And oh, I will be um, doing a little blurb about the comics as they come out. I realize that there are two out right now. Yay. I will be contacting people who wanted to do it with me to do a little blurb about it and what we think about it. So um, I will be getting a hold of people in the next uh, couple of weeks to do that. So, yeah. Yay. Yay. Very cool. All right. So I think that's it, uh, Clone Clubbers. So 
we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Guys. Bye. Everyone. I'm going to have to paint this to come to terms with it. Please don't. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you shot your evil twin sister dead only to have her arise and gut Rachel's henchmen. How could I capture the nuance? Yeah, believe me, you couldn't. You are now pitted between two psychopaths. Cut her loose. If she hadn't shown up, I'd be dead. She can't stay here, Sarah. She's not... Wait, just, just, just get her something to wear, please. Fine. I'm sure I've got a Ukrainian folk costume in here somewhere. Hey, 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 hey. You treat him with respect. You got it? That's my brother, which means he's one of our sisters. Family. You get it, Meathead? Do not call me this. Do you understand, Helena? He is Sestra. Oh, God. Exactly. So pick some clothes, wash up, and do everything he tells you to. Thank you, Felix. Just don't kill my rubber ducky.